We have experienced a season of Advent together. <clears throat> it's been a blessed time. Hopefully, for all of you, it's been a very meaningful and enjoyable season. And now, the holidays are over. I know. I'm sorry. Does that make you sad? No? Nobody feeling a little melancholy now that the festivities are over? Or is sadness something that comes to you often? Is despair or angst something that comes calling on you throughout the year? It's not news to tell you that life can bring challenge and disappointment a lot. And the holidays can intensify this. You know, if uh, there are demands and expectations of this season, I can hear myself a lot. Can you hear me okay? Right. <laughs> There's demands and expectations of the season that can weigh on us, including expectations of happiness. If we've known grief or, or loss or loneliness in our life, the pervasive theme of celebration can intensify those feelings. Of course, the realities of life, the, uh, the challenges, the struggles, the obstacles, they don't wait around for the holidays to show up, do they? Despair, hopelessness affects us all. Now, in case you're worried right about now, I'm not going to repeat Tracy's message from last week. Right? That was so beautiful, and I appreciate that. But no, I am, I promise. I'm going to go a little bit different direction than that. But yes, despair and hopelessness does affect us all. Scripture testifies to this. Uh, this is not our main passage, but uh, we all know the book of Job. And in Job 5, it says this, Yet man is born to trouble, as surely as sparks fly upward. From Job 5. You know, Advent is a space of expectation. You know, we wait. We anticipate. We hope for the goodness of God. The deliverance of God. We cry out for God to show up in the stuff of our life, in the obstacles, in the disappointments, in the challenges, at least I do. I admit it. Even as I speak to you today, my own parents are languishing in a uh, space of uh, deteriorating health. My mother is not the mother that I've known all my life because her mind is mostly gone and she spends her days in a, in a nursing home. And she's cared for there by very wonderful people, a wonderful uh, team of nurses and staff. They actually tell my sister and I that mom is their favorite. <laughs> like, I can see that. Yeah. <clears throat> and my dad drives 10 miles each way, every day, every day, holiday, otherwise weekend, whatever. He drives to see her and be with her every day. Now, he himself contends with congestive heart failure. So that means that every day for him is a, a physical struggle just to navigate the daily tasks of life. So he laments the condition of his wife. He laments the loss of his marriage. 
essentially in the life and vitality that he once knew. So reasons for despair are all around us. You all have your own. But today, today, as we gaze into the new year, I want to remind us all of a very familiar theme. And it's something that I have to remind myself about as much as any of you. It is a very familiar theme, and yet it can elude us in the daily grind. So let's go to our main text for today. Uh, Let's read together from Paul's letter to the Romans. I discovered this this last couple of weeks the Passion Translation. I don't know if anybody's ever been familiar with the Passion Translation. Yeah. 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 And I decided to go with this because it just conveys very beautifully what I would like you to capture and embrace today. So if you have your Bibles, join with me as we read from Romans 5, verses 1 through 5. Our faith in Jesus transfers God's righteousness to us, and he now declares us flawless, flawless in his eyes. This means we can now enjoy true and lasting peace with God, all because of what our Lord Jesus, the anointed one, has done for us. Our faith guarantees us a permanent access into this marvelous kindness that has given us a perfect relationship with God. What incredible joy bursts forth within us as we keep on celebrating our hope of experiencing God's glory. Amen? But that's not all. Even in times of trouble, we have a joyful confidence. Joyful confidence, knowing that our pressures will develop in us patient endurance. And patient endurance will refine our character, and proven character leads us back to hope. And this hope is not a disappointing fantasy, because we can now experience the endless love of God cascading into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who lives in us. Amen? Amen. Wow. Does that do anything for you today? The endless love of God cascading into our hearts through the Holy Spirit. So today, I want to remind us of hope. You know, Paul doesn't deny here the the intrusion of troubles into our days, but here in this letter to the Roman believers, he offers us a significant cause to hope. We're not promised a life without challenge or obstacles, but we are promised Emmanuel. God with us, always, perpetually, as the passage says, endlessly cascading himself into our hearts, into the pain that you bear. God himself, his presence with us always. I proclaim to you hope today as we enter into a new year. Now I'm going to use a lot of scripture. hope that's okay because I think scripture just conveys more beautifully than I can this message that I'd like us to grasp today. And it just... Makes me happy, uh, and it's, it's it's how I roll. So I just that's what I do. <clears throat> so hope that's okay. Yep, we have hope today 
because God is faithful. He is faithful to us. Our God who has entered into a new and lasting covenant with us as his children cares for us and he sustains us. The writer of Hebrews, here's the first one, the writer of Hebrews encourages us with these words from Hebrews 10. Let us draw near to God with a sincere heart in full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled lost my place. Having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience and having our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess for he who promised is faithful. Is faithful. Our Heavenly Father has atoned for us and he's brought us to himself as his children. Now this passage is written in a present tense. So it's encouraging us to continually live with hope. Did you know that you are clean before your Lord and Savior this morning? Do you know that? Do you know that nothing can take that away? Absolutely nothing. Why? Because he who began a good work in you is what? Is faithful. Is faithful. Notice these words from Paul to the Philippians. Being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will what? Will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus from Philippians 1. See, our hope isn't anchored in ourselves. It's not affixed to our own merit or our own resume of what we can do or what we have done for God. No, our hope is affixed on Christ himself. And this assurance will never fade. It's never going to disappoint you. Our hope in Jesus, anchored in Jesus, will never wither. This is even declared in the Old Testament, in the book of Lamentations of all places. Lamentations. Anybody ever read the book of Lamentations? Anybody ever hung out there? Yeah. It's short, so you could do this. Uh, written, believed to be written by the prophet Jeremiah. And it's a very poignant expression of lament and loss. In this case, Jeremiah is lamenting the destruction of Jerusalem and Solomon's temple around 586 B.C. The name of the book alone sort of tips you off to uh, what you're going to encounter there. But yet, in the middle of that book, in the middle of Jeremiah's lament, we find this. And we've already done this this morning. I heard it being spoken Lamentations 3, because of the Lord's great love, we are not consumed, for his compassions never fail. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. See, the love of the Father for us will endure. His fierce care for you is fresh every morning. Every morning. Hope is not some far-off Thing that never materializes like a mirage that you're just looking at on the horizon. No, our hope isn't for now. And there are other reasons that we can hope. We have hope this morning because God is for us. Not only is he always with us, but he's for us. He's on your side. Did you know that? God's on your team. He is for you. He is your biggest fan. When Jeremiah shares these words 
with the clans of Israel, but they're preserved there because they're not just for those folks. They're for you and I today. Notice uh, Jeremiah 31. The Lord appeared to us in the past, saying, I have loved you with an everlasting love. I have drawn you with loving kindness. Yes, God's love for you is ruthless and forever. He is holding on to us, into his arms, drawing us into himself. God is with us and he's for us in the realities that would scar us. Notice these words from the Psalms. See, here's more scripture. I told you, you know, sorry to the sound team. You know, you kind of have to track with me here. I try to contain myself, you know, for the people like Natalie who put the bulletin together, you know. The, yeah. <clears throat> okay. But notice these words from Psalms. God is our refuge and strength, an ever-present help in trouble, Psalm 46. And how about this one? You can probably quote this one to me. He who dwells in the shelter of the Most High will rest in the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, He is my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust. Disease or physical affliction, loneliness, grief or loss, violence in our city, in our world, relationship struggles, finances, fear, worry, dread of the past or maybe of something in the future. As you experience these things today, just know anew that God is for you, that he's by your side and he loves you beyond measure. Let him in to your pain. Let him in there. Pastor Bill Johnson said it this way. He said, God's goodness is beyond our ability to understand, but not to experience. Amen? God's goodness beyond our comprehension, beyond our ability to understand, but not to experience. Claim it. Release to God the things that would oppose you, that would beset you this morning. And we also have hope because heaven awaits us. Heaven is our eternal destiny. It's our eternal home. And I've already made reference to this, and some of the scriptures we've looked at already sort of echo this, but it bears repeating. We can have hope today because heaven is our eternal home. Do you ever forget that sometimes, like me? Stuck down here? Notice Paul's words to the Corinthians. Now it is God who makes both us and you stand firm in Christ. He anointed us, set his seal of ownership on us, and put his spirit in our hearts as a deposit, guaranteeing, guaranteeing what is to come. Now, what is to come is all of eternity. Amen? Amen. As believers and children of God, heaven is our eternal home. And we will live, we will love, we will laugh with Jesus forever. Forever is a long, long time, people. Yes. The hope of heaven spills over into our lives right now, but it will be consummated forever someday. Can you imagine that? 
Can you imagine? Peter encourages us with these words. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade, kept in heaven for you. That's from 1 Peter 1. So it's ironclad, my friends. It, it, it just, it's a fact. Now, have you ever had bad days? I mean, like, really bad days. Yeah, have you ever? Yep. Tracy talked last week about this to us, right? They're allowed, right? It's okay. They're allowed. Jesus is with us in that space, yes? Yes. I mean, I've had days that were just an utter train wreck, more than I care to admit to you. And not all the time, but sometimes in the middle of one of those, I'll have sort of this sudden remembrance. You know, I'll have this sort of spontaneous self-encouragement. And it's just like a whisper. It goes through my head. It sounds like this. It says, hey, I'm going to heaven someday. <laughs> and I'm going to live forever with Jesus. So no matter what's going on today, that is ironclad and it's waiting for me. Amen. So how do we live with this hope? Does hope change the backdrop of your day? Does hope change the landscape of your week? What does it look like to live in or to exude hope? Hope changes our outlook. And you know what else it does? Hope changes our witness. It changes our witness for God. Today, you and I are partners. We are joint heirs with Jesus. We are anointed ambassadors, heralds, if you will, of a living hope. And because our partnership is, our hope is certain, our partnership with heaven is supercharged. I think that's a word. Is that a word? Supercharged? I mean, it, it sounded good, so I thought, I'd, you know, when I was writing it, supercharged. Consider these words from Peter. But you, all of you, are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, people belonging to God, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Amen. You all are a royal priesthood. Now, the priest serves as a link, a connection from the people to God, and we owe the world an encounter with the living God, yes? And we are supercharged, we are anointed to do that very thing. God has equipped you unto that purpose. Paul says this to the Corinthian church and to us. Such confidence as this is ours through Christ before God, not that we are competent in ourselves to claim anything for ourselves, but our competence comes from God. He has made us competent as ministers of a new covenant, not of the letter of the Spirit, for the letter kills, but the Spirit gives life. So our anointedness, our empoweredness, is from God himself. If we have hope, then hope will emanate from us. It will just pour out of you. You can't help it. You are anointed ambassadors today of the new covenant that Jesus paid for on the cross. 
And the hope, the assurance that is ours in Jesus gives life and power to our testimony. Now, I heard a coach talk about this. This is an analogy from the world of sports. He was talking about a player having the juice. Now, now don't hear me wrong, not in a sort of like performance-enhancing way, but, but he was talking about a player having the juice, which meant he had like skill, he had strength, he had speed, he had drive, motivation. So if, if I were to use that in a sentence, I'd say something like, you know, I wish the Broncos had a little more juice this season. Oh well. But our hope, because God is faithful, our hope in Jesus is the juice of our testimony, the juice of our partnership with the kingdom of God. I came across a very interesting quote from C.S. Lewis. I don't know if we have that up there. I'll just read it to you. Hope, says C.S. Lewis, is one of the theological virtues. That means that a continual looking forward to the eternal world is not, as some modern people think, a form of escapism or wishful thinking, but it's one of the things a Christian's meant to do. We're supposed to do that. It doesn't mean that we're to leave, however, the present world as it is. If you read history, you'll find that the Christian's who did most for the present world were just those who thought the most of the next. The Christians who did most for the present world were just those who thought the most of the next. Hope empowers our days. Hope changes how we live. Hope changes how you see everything in front of you. Hope ignites us as we represent Jesus to our world. Now, does hope seem elusive to you? Like, you know, like it's for somebody else, you know, for other people, but it's kind of passed you by? <clears throat> now remember, I'm declaring these things to myself today, every bit as much as I am to all of you. Hope is ours. It is yours. I encourage us today with a couple more scriptures. Told you I was going to do this. <clears throat> From Philippians 4, familiar one, do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard our hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Now that was, that's one of my mom's favorites. She really likes that one. But then there's this one from 1 Peter. Cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. 1 Peter 5. Press into God. Seek after him. Tell him everything. Praise him in the midst. Rest in him. And spend time in his word. Because you'll find that hope there. And speaking of spending time in his word... I came across an interesting study. This was actually forwarded to me by Pastor Eric. Sent a little messenger one day. And it's a study conducted by, here it is, the Center for Bible Engagement. Sounds good. <clears throat> Center for Bible Engagement. The results of this were shared by a man named John Bevere. Now, maybe some of you know that name. 
He's an author and evangelist. He lives actually right here in the Pikes Peak region. So the study involved people who were engaging Scripture at a rate of at least four times a week. Four times a week. The study found that if people were doing this just once or twice, even three times, impact on their life wasn't really that apparent. But then at four times, four times per week, in God's Word, things changed. There were interesting findings concerning the impact of Scripture reading four times a week on the behaviors of the lives of the people in this study. So check this out. Of these people, in God's Word, four times a week or more, feelings of loneliness dropped 30%. Anger issues. Anybody ever been there? Anger issues dropped 32%. Bitterness in relationships, any relationships, spouses, your children, your, your family, your friends, loved ones, bitterness there dropped 40%. <clears throat> Feelings of spiritual stagnation, anybody been there? Dropped 60%. Now on the flip side of this, things that we'd like to see, uh, sharing their faith, these folks who are in the Word, sharing their faith increased 200%. Taking part in discipling others increased 232% because of a confidence from seeking God in His Word. So, <clears throat> what am I saying? <clears throat> I'm saying, speak at, seek after God in prayer and in His Word. Claim anew the presence and authority of Jesus in your life and bid your mountains flee in Jesus' name. I'm saying, give God your hopelessness and watch hope be birthed anew in you this day. Now we talk here at SCC about sacred friendships and not only do we talk about it, we live it very well as well. Living on this side of heaven together, proclaiming to one another the reality of the kingdom of God, the hope that is ours today, right now. So I urge you to continue in that way. Love one another deeply. <clears throat> Bear each other's burdens. Seek those who can hear you, who can really hear you, and who can pray alongside you for the deliverance of Jesus, who can contend alongside you. Seek to care for one another <clears throat> in community. You know, life will always present reasons to feel frustration or discouragement or despair. And yet, my friends, our Heavenly Father bids us seek Him and He bids us support one another. Okay, I couldn't resist a movie clip. Is that all right? <clears throat> if I do a movie clip? Yep. We all know that uh, Pastor Eric has a theatrical preference for Star Wars, right? <clears throat> well, I would have to say that my personal pre preference theatrically or even in literature in this case goes to Lord of the Rings. Huh? <clears throat> yep. yep. Um, and to be fair, Pastor Eric has shared several Lord of the Rings clips, but this is my message, so I want, I want to share another one. Yeah, yeah. So in this scene we're going to see, it uh, involves a young man, a very young man, in fact, way too young to be a soldier. But he is confiding in Aragorn, 
Aragorn, if you've never saw the movies or read the books, he's this wandering warrior who has aided the peoples of Middle-earth in their fight against evil. And, and he does this actually very humbly and usually with his true identity disguised because Aragorn is the coming king. He's the heir to the ancient throne. And this dialogue takes place as an evil, evil army fast approaches and they're bent on utter annihilation and people are just floundering with these overwhelming odds. So let's take a look at this. Give me a sword. What is your name? Hollis, son of Hamelmine. The men are saying that we will not live out the night. They say that it is hopeless. This is a good sword. Halith, son of Hammer. There is always hope. All right. In Christ Jesus, there is always hope. There is always hope, my friends. <clears throat> Our king is not a wandering warrior in the wilderness like that, but our king is here with us right now, today. He is here with you, and he reigns in you. He reigns in you, and he reigns in your circumstances. So I encourage us to encourage one another with our mutual hope, for God is for you, and he is faithful. <clears throat> 